Let's thank Christine and Mike and Jeff and Noah Lonnie who did the communion today. I, I tell you, if you're here, if you were here on time, you were you you're blessed, right? It was a great service so far, and uh, thank you so much for being here. I don't know who it was that named Porter Ranch Porter Ranch, but uh, it should have been named Windy Ranch. How many of you agree with me? They just misnamed this place. Windy Ranch. Is it windy outside or what? And uh, I, I, you know, uh, I ran into Jeff Wall. You all know Pastor Jeff. I ran into him coming into church. He was out in the parking lot. I said hello to him. <laughs> and um, I don't know about you, but um, we still have a lot to be thank thankful about. I, I would rather go through a little wind than what they're going through in Texas right now. Those people are suffering. And I think about all the people who left California because they wanted to go to Texas <laughs> and uh, wonder what they're thinking now. But uh, we want to pray for those people in Texas. And uh, I think we all know of people and friends that are back there, but those people are going through some tough times right now. So even though it's a little windy, we, still have, we can still be grateful for what we have here. And uh, today, I'm so glad you're here because we begin a brand new series called The GOAT. And GOAT stands for the greatest of all what? Time. So we're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 23, uh, and you can get your Bible and turn to that. We're going to actually stand and read it in just a moment. I want you to take your, your, your outline inside your bulletin and turn it over to the back and look down at the bottom of the, the back side of the outline and you'll see that uh, this week we start what's called virtual life groups. So it's all going to be online, and we would love to have you either sign up to join or to host or to lead. And uh, if you're good uh, at uh, talking to people and working through a Bible study, uh, we have all the material for you. We just need someone to lead that virtual group. So you can text uh, one of those two words to the phone number, and also on the very bottom, uh, as Jeff just talked about, uh, discipleship groups for the young people start this Wednesday as well. And if you're sitting out there and you are a parent, you have a student that is between the sixth grade and 12th grade, if I were you living in today's world, I would make it a priority of all priorities for your student to be involved in those discipleship groups. So make sure you sign up. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter 23 again. Uh, this chapter is considered to be, by some people, the greatest chapter in the entire Bible. It's only six verses, if you look at it. And we're going to take six weeks, one verse each week, leading up to Easter. Easter is only six weeks away. Can you believe that? And we didn't get to have Easter uh, gathering last year because of COVID. And so we're excited about uh, Easter coming up this year. But uh, I want you to stand. We're going to read this as we start this series. And if you're here the next six weeks, I promise you, pr I I'm making a promise to you. If you're here every week as we go through this text, you will be blessed. Uh, there's a reason why this is the greatest chapter of all time. Certainly the greatest psalm of the 150 psalms. And uh, I want us uh, to read this out loud and kind of set the stage uh, for the next six weeks. So here we go, Psalm 23, 
Words are on the screen. Read it along with me, or you can read out of your Bible. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul, and he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May God bless the reading of his words. You may be seated. I want you to say the word supernatural. Supernatural. This psalm doesn't bring help to the helpless. This psalm brings supernatural help to the helpless. It brings supernatural hope to the hopeless. It brings supernatural healing to the hurting. And it brings supernatural encouragement to the discouraged. This first verse, we're gonna look at it today. If you, if you look at the words, there's only nine words in that first verse, only nine. And as I was studying this week, I, I, this is an honest assessment, I, I thought, you know what, it would take me nine weeks to do these nine words justice. So what we're gonna look at in the next 25 minutes, 30 minutes, we're just gonna scratch the surface to what these nine words mean. It's another reason why you need to be involved and sign up with your life group and your discipleship groups so you can dig deep into this text and really get all that's there uh, for, this, for this coming weekend. I've always said with a smile, I've always kind of joked around that I am the shepherd here at Shepherd Church, shepherding the sheep on behalf of the great shepherd. And uh, I have three major points in verse one. And the first, and I want you to write this down in your notes, that the shepherd, I want to look at the shepherd, the shepherd is permanently responsible for the sheep. And I have that first verse in your notes. I want you to circle the word shepherd. If you have your notes, circle or underline or put a star that the shepherd, I want to look at the shepherd, the shepherd is permanently responsible for the sheep. You see, the beauty and the power of this psalm is not really about the sheep. We read this thing and we look at all the things we get out of it. But the beauty and the power of this psalm is when you take your eyes off yourself and start to look at the great shepherd. Most of us know that David wrote this psalm. David was a local shepherd boy by trade. He grew up tending a flock, so 
He had firsthand knowledge of shepherding. David knew all about the role and the responsibilities of being a good shepherd. And David instinctively knew the ins and outs of what a shepherd was and what a shepherd does. And clearly and distinctly, as he begins this psalm, he describes, he describes God as a shepherd. Now, he didn't come up with that on his own. If you study the scriptures, you will discover that God himself uses this analogy of a shepherd to the sheep in describing his relationship to his people, the nation of Israel. For example, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, the Bible says that he, God, tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his what? To his heart. We have this text in Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 22. The Bible says, God says, I will save my flock. And then we have Isaiah, uh, we have Psalm chapter 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his, talking about the creator God of the universe. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Isn't that beautiful that God himself is telling us that our relationship between us and him is like a relationship between a shepherd and his sheep? We are the sheep. I want you to turn to your neighbor and go, bah. Some of you are really good at that. Did you know that there are empires and kingdoms that have adopted various animals to symbolize their national spirit? The United States of America, our national symbol that's like a, it's an animal, is the eagle. Over in Russia, it's a bear. In Great Britain, it's a lion. Animals that symbolize power and strength and independence. Yet, when God looked at his people, he said, I, 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 I don't see eagles. I, I don't see lions or bears. What I see are sheep. Write this down, sheep are found over 500 times in the Bible, more than any other animal in the world. You might be offended by that. God says, my people are like, let me think, what are my people like? Uh, no, they're not like a giraffe. Um, no, they're not like Roadrunner. Mm, they're not like a, a dog. No, 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 no. They're not, they're not like a snake. My, my people, oh, there it is, there it is. My people are like that sheep over there. Simple. Tend to get dirty a lot. Not very smart. <laughs> they go astray easily, and, and, and they're defenseless. 
Look at them. You know, cats have claws and dogs have teeth and deer can run really fast and bears can attack and horses can kick and skunk. Well, they, I put a ability in there for them to stink. But sheep, no defense. But that's okay because God sees his role as taking care of us, being permanently responsible for us, which means that we don't need to concern or be worried about all the things that we worry about. God's got us. Yeah. Write this down. Being a shepherd is a 24-hour-a-day job, seven days a week, 365 days a year. He's always on duty. He doesn't take days off. A shepherd works around the clock. The sheep depend upon the shepherd for everything they have, food, shelter, water, and safety. And notice, and maybe you've never noticed this before, but if you go back and look at verse 1, those nine words, and if you look at the second word, which is the word Lord, just look, look at your Bible. Don't look at me. Look at your Bible. And what do you notice about that second word, the Lord is my shepherd? What do you see in your, anything, anything unique about that word as you look at your Bible? Do you notice anything? If you're attentive to detail, you will notice that it's all caps. It's the only word in that verse that's all capitals. Capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D. In fact, the word Lord is in the Psalm 23 two times. It's up in verse 1, and you'll find it again down in verse 6. You can circle it both times. Now, the name Lord, I want to talk about that name. It's a name. Everybody say name. When you see that name, it's referring to the name Jehovah. Say Jehovah. And Jehovah is found, write this down, over 4,000 times in your Bible. You'll see that word. 4,000 times in your Bible. And I don't want to confuse anybody, but it, it's, it's, I will tell you this, it's sometimes confusing even to me, and I've studied it. It's not really the name Lord. It's the name Jehovah. Jehovah is the Hebrew word for God, except Jehovah is not really the name either. Jehovah is how we anglicized it, which means that we took a foreign word and we tried to make it where it sounded good in English and we translated it from the original word into an English word. That's anglicized. We anglicized the word and we came up with the word Jehovah. But it's really not the name Jehovah. The real name is Yahweh. And Yahweh is not the real name either. The real name is really actually four letters, Y-H-Y-H, W-H, Y-H-W-H, it's four letters, that's the name for God, and no one knows how to pronounce those four letters. Because Jewish people had so much reverence for God, they would never even let their lips utter his name. They say there was only one person who would ever say that name, and it was the great high priest. And he would only say it once a year, and he would only say it once a year inside the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement. And other than that, no one on the planet Earth ever spoke God's name, so we really don't even know how to pronounce his name. 
But when you see those four letters, L-O-R-D, here's what it means. Write this down. It means that he was, that he is, and that he will be. And what David is saying, and this, ladies and gentlemen, unlocks, it unlocks this psalm. And this word unlocks everything in your life, if you understand this. He is saying that Jehovah God, Yahweh, the one who was, the one who is, the one who ever shall be, the God who is omniscient, the God who's omnipresent, the God who's omnipotent, that that God is our shepherd. Think about that. That's impressive. And the work of the shepherd, write this down. The work of the shepherd is the welfare of his sheep. That's the shepherd's job. A shepherd only has one job. A shepherd doesn't have two jobs. A shepherd only has one job and one job only. And that job is the welfare of his sheep. There was a first grade Sunday school class, a teacher, she was attempting to get her students to memorize Psalm 23. And it was difficult for for first graders, but there was one boy, he was the most rambunctious boy in the lot, and whenever she asked a question, he was always first to raise his hand whether he knew the answer or not. And it was time to quote Psalm 23, and that boy again, he was, I want to go first. So she said, all right, you can go first. So he stands nervously, he pauses, he can't remember the whole thing, and he goes, the Lord is my shepherd, and that's all I need to know, and he sat down. (laughs) And friends, I want you to know that kid was spot on. That's all you need to know. So give God your worries, give him your problems, your stress, your heartache, your fears, your doubt, your struggles. Hand all that over to the great shepherd because it's his responsibility to take care of his sheep. The second major point of this verse is that the shepherd is also, write this down, he's powerfully responsive to the sheep's need. He's responsive to our needs. The psalmist wrote that the Lord Jehovah is my shepherd and I shall not want. Circle, not want. God's heartbeat, we all have heartbeats. God's heartbeat and longing is to meet all of your needs. I want to say that to you again. God's longing, his heartbeat, the thing that's inside of God is that he wants to meet all of your needs. And the psalmist is saying that if I have the shepherd, that's all I really need. If I have the Lord, I don't, I don't even want anything else. A shepherd basically does three things. Write these things down as quickly as you can. He guides, he guards, and he gives. That's what a shepherd does. He, he guides, 
the sheep to shelter. He guards them from danger, and he gives them or leads them to food. That's, that's all he does. He guides, he guards, he gives. And Psalm 23, verse 1 reminds me of a verse over in the New Testament that you might be familiar with, Philippians 4.19, that says, my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches found in Christ Jesus. Those two verses are a lot alike to me. But a lot of people misunderstand both of these verses, and here's where we all get confused. The Bible does not say that God will meet all of your greed. It says that he will meet all of your need. If I were to come up to you face to face and ask if for the rest of your life, the rest of your life here on this earth, that my God would meet every need that you will ever encounter on this planet, why would you ever worry about anything? And the obvious answer is you wouldn't worry about anything if you believed it to be true. David, listen, David wrote this. David didn't just believe this. David had experienced this. That's why he could write, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. In other words, he had the Lord in his life. That's all he ever really needed. And the only way God won't meet your need, and there's only one way, and that is if God is a liar. You need to write that down. That's the only way that this isn't true. Indirectly, everybody say the word indirectly. When you worry, you are calling God a liar. God, the great shepherd, desires and is committed to meeting all of your needs. Now, some of you are sitting out here right now, you're here right now, and you're saying, Dudley, that sounds really good, but it's not true, because I remember a need in my life, and God didn't meet that need. I remember a time where God didn't come through in my life. I had a need, and God didn't meet it. Well, let me tell you, if God didn't meet it, it wasn't a need. You say, wait a minute, I say it's a need. Listen, just because you say it's a need doesn't make it a need. You could be sitting out there right now saying, man, what I really need is a Mercedes. <laughs> that doesn't make it a need. We have single people sitting here right now who think they need to be married. And we've got married people sitting here right now that say they need to be single. What you need, and I hope you're listening, what you need is the great shepherd. And if you got the great shepherd, you don't need anything else. He will satisfy the longings of your heart. Number three, here's our third point in this text, and this is the most important part, is that the shepherd is personally related to the sheep. This is the heart and center of the greatest chapter of all time. The Lord 
is, he says, my shepherd. I want you to circle the word my. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Notice the psalmist did not say that the Lord is the shepherd. He didn't say that the Lord is a shepherd. No, no, no. He said the Lord is my shepherd. And if you're sitting here today and you cannot say that, you can't say that the Lord, you don't have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you can't say the Lord is my shepherd, then the shepherd is not obligated to meet any of your needs. He's only obligated to meet the needs of the people that have a personal relationship with him. This church is full of people who can say the Lord is the shepherd or the Lord is a shepherd. But can you say that the Lord is my shepherd? Do you have a personal relationship with the Lord? Listen, this shepherd, the shepherd here in Psalm 23 is no ordinary shepherd. And don't forget back in point one, it's all caps. In fact, in this text, I see two words that describe God. One is capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D, that he's Jehovah, that he's Lord, that he's God, that he's Yahweh. But I also see that the verse calls him a shepherd. Which is he? He's both. You see, when you study this, and I mean really study it, when you see that he's called Lord, that speaks of his deity. The fact that he's called a shepherd speaks of his humanity. The word Lord speaks that he's, he's sovereign. And yet shepherd speaks that he's yet man. He, he is 100% God and he's 100% man. We see that in this text. You know, what is, what is this question that we're trying to discover? When you read Psalm 23, verse 1, who is, who is it referring to? Who is this whole chapter referring to? Who? Write it down. How many of you, be honest, how many of you knew that? Raise your hand if you, if you knew, you knew, you already knew. Oh, look at you all, you're so smart. <laughs> but did you know that this was written 3,000 years ago? This was written 2,000 years before Jesus ever showed up on the scene. Did you ever think about that? That when it was written 2,000 years before Jesus ever showed up, that it was prophetic? that the psalmist was referring to one that would one day come that would be born of God, that there was one day coming one who would be called the Son of God, that one day God would come into this world in the flesh, that yes, that he's Lord God, Jehovah, but also he would humble himself and come into this world as a shepherd. Evangelist Angel Martinez had a, wor a way with words. And he wrote this, he said, the Lord, the one who made the world and everything in it, the one who set on fire, the sun, 
and put the stars in the sky and named them one by one. He said, that's my shepherd. The one who threw a carpet of green grass upon the earth and tacked it down with flowers. The one who scooped out the valleys and piled up the mountains. That's my shepherd. The one who took the song of angels and robed them with feathers and created the nightingales of the air. The one who took the rainbow and wove it into a scarf and threw it about the shoulders of a dying storm. That's my shepherd. The one at evening time that pulls down the shades of night and says good night with a sunset fire and a moon that kisses you while you sleep. That's my shepherd. This shepherd is the maker of heaven and earth, and he is all you will ever need. If, if you make him your Lord. I, I don't want to confuse you. But we have to reverse Psalm 23, verse 1. We have to reverse it. The psalmist said that the Lord, Jehovah God, is my what? We have to reverse that. You've got to get to a point where you can say, the shepherd is my Lord. The Lord, Jehovah God, is my Lord. Not, not the shepherd is a Lord, not the shepherd is the Lord, that the shepherd is my Lord. And you say, well, how do you do that? Three ways, write them down quickly. Number one, you have to acknowledge that you are lost without him. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, verse 6, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. You have to admit, you have to acknowledge, I should say, you have to acknowledge that you're just a normal sheep, that you have lost your way, that you have strayed away on your own. That's step one. And the second thing you do is you accept him as your Lord and Savior. John 1, 12. Everybody say John 1, 12. Here's what it says. Look on the screen. Yet to all of you who received him, uh, those of you who have accepted him, those of you who have believed in his name, he gave you the right to become children of God. The most amazing thing in this whole chapter is not that I get to call him my shepherd. The most amazing thing is that he claims us as his sheep because we've all gone astray. We've all sinned. We have all failed God, every one of us, and yet he still claims us as his own. You know what that's called? That's called grace. That's grace. 
Accept him, receive him, believe in him. He allows you to become his children. Romans 10:9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You want to make this shepherd your Lord. And number three, you have to acclaim him. Acclaim. Now that's a strange word. Most of us don't even know what that word means. It's not that you claim him, it's acclaim. What does acclaim mean? The word acclaim means is that you follow him. So you acknowledge that you are lost without him. Secondly, you receive him, accept him, believe him, put your faith and trust in him, and then you follow him all the days of your life. Before we get out of here, I've said all of that to say what I'm about to say next. Take your Bibles and turn to John 10. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And if you're in your life group this week, which I hope you sign up, you're going to study John 10. Say, what's John 10? John 10 is 2,000 years after Psalm 23 where Jesus in the middle of the book of John, tells the Jewish people listening that he is the shepherd. You remember that psalm that you've studied your whole life that was written 2,000 years ago by King David? In John chapter 10, Jesus is before a Jewish audience and he tells them, I want you to understand something, that I am he the one who was, the one who is, and the one who shall be. I just want to read a few of these verses to you and let you see what Jesus said to his listeners in verse 14, John 10, verse 14. He said, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep, know me that's a personal relationship you see that verse 15 just as the father knows me and i know the father that's the relationship that he has with his heavenly father he said i lay my i lay down my life for my what's he talking about this is john this is in the middle of john He's letting his Jewish listeners know that he's the fulfillment of Psalm chapter 23. He's also telling them that he is going to willingly lay down his life for his sheep. He's he's, he's announcing that one day he's going to go to the cross where he will die. This is John 10. Jesus doesn't die until the end of John. He's just letting them know what's about to happen. And then he says this to his Jewish listeners. Look at verse 16. He's talking about everybody in here. He goes, oh, fellas, by the way, I want you to know, I do have other sheep. What? What? Yes, I am fulfilling Psalm chapter 23. I am the Messiah. I am the fulfillment of all the Jewish prophecy. But I want you to know that I do have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Gentiles. And all over this room today, we have Jewish people who are here. Because I know some of you, and I know, I know some of you, and some of you are Jewish. 
but most of you here are not Jewish. Most of you here are Gentiles. And Jesus was talking about you right here in John chapter 10, the discourse on the sheep. And he says, I'm the fulfillment of the Old Testament scripture. I'm fulfillment of of Psalm 23. I am the good shepherd. I just want you to know. And soon I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. And he was talking primarily just to Jewish people. But he also wanted his Jewish listeners to know, I'm dying not just for you. I'm also dying for all the Gentile people. And he says, they too will listen to my voice. And there shall be just one flock. He didn't say there's a church going to be called Shepherd Church over there in Windy Ranch. But he did say one day there's going to be a church where there's going to be both Jewish people and Gentile people sitting side by side, and they will be one flock, one family, and there's only going to be one shepherd. Later down in the end of that chapter, verse 25 and 26, just a couple more verses here. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. Look at verse 26, but you, he's talking to his Jewish listeners, you did not believe because you are not my sheep. What's he talking about? He's saying that if you're Jewish, you don't get to go to heaven just because you're Jewish. Even if you're Jewish, you have to reach a point where you have a personal relationship with me, the one who will die for your sins. You don't get to go to heaven just because you're Jewish. You have to reach a point where you realize as a Jewish person that Jesus is the fulfillment of Psalm chapter 23 and all the other Old Testament prophecies that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. And if you don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, you're not getting in, is what he's saying here. And then in verse 27 and 28, the last two verses, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. That's a claim. That's a claim. You acknowledge that you're lost without him. You reach a point where you realize that Jesus is the Savior, the fulfillment of all the Old Testament scriptures, that he is Yahweh, that he is Jehovah, that he is the Christ, the Son, the living God, that he's the one who will die upon the cross for your sins and did die on a cross for your sins. And you accept him and you receive him and you put your faith and trust in him. And then the rest of your days, you acclaim him, you follow him, you listen to his voice and you do the things that God asks you to do. In verse 28, I, the good shepherd, will give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. (laughs) And this is just week number one. Wait till next week. Let's all stand and bow our heads. Let's all stand. Listen, if you're here today and you're not a believer, You're not a part of his flock. You need to come as soon as I'm done praying. Come down here in front. And right over here to my left, to your right, are some doors. We have counselors that are waiting there to talk to you. If you're watching online, you text Jesus to the number on the screen. And someone from our church will call you. 
and talked with you about your decision. But today is your day to come and make the Lord David's shepherd to make him your Lord. Make him your Savior. Amen? Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, thank you for today. This is just the first nine words of this psalm. But God, I pray that we realize that those four little word letters that are capitalized, L-O-R-D, is speaking to the Jehovah God, the creator God of this universe. And that you came into this world, as you go back to John 10, and realize that Jesus did lay down his life for the sheep. And anyone who receives, who accepts, who believes, who puts their faith and trust, have the right, he gives the right to be called his sons and his daughters. And if there be anyone here today, I don't care if they're Jew or Gentile, I don't really care, but if there's anyone here today that does not know Jesus as Lord, may they come today, as soon as I say amen, help them just to come down here and go to these doors over to their right, talk to our counselors and make a decision today to confess Jesus as Lord and begin to follow him all the days of their life. God bless this church. Bless every man, every woman, every boy and every girl. Bring us back safely next week, we pray. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, God bless you. Thank you for coming today.